going to be talking with a couple who are very practical. They know how to put God's Word into practice. They're going to talk to us today about our communication between spouses. I want to welcome again Carolyn and Paul Rain. Thank you all so much for coming back. My husband once told me that the Word of God needed to be practical, and at first I thought, now that doesn't sound right. You know, it sounds like you're trying to take something wonderful and spiritual and bring it down to the mundane. But what God wants us to do is, Jesus said, blessed is he who puts his word into practice. And so that's what it means to be practical, is to put God's word into practice. Now, on what basis do you have the authority to talk to married couples? How long have you all been married? Well, sometimes people think that they're just, in fact, the first time we were speaking up front, one man came to us and he says, are you two married? And we said, yeah, we've been married for several years. He says, you can't be older than 15. Yes, <laughs> you look him. But actually, we've been married 18 years in a couple of months' time, and the Lord has blessed us. Yes, he has, and you have two lovely children. Carolyn, tell us about them. Hannah and Caleb are nine and a half and seven and a half, and um, they're real precious to our hearts. I know they are. Now, before we came on the air today, you were talking about the first time that you all ever communicated with one another. Why don't you share that with us, Carolyn? Well, I was 24, and I had been raised a Christian, but I had walked away from the Lord, and now I had found the Lord again. And I started going to a different church. People were encouraging me, there's a lot of young people in this church, and you'd really like to go there. And finally, I decided I would go. And we had like a, a discussion group in the church, a Sabbath school class. and. A young man in the group there, handsome looking young man I'd never seen before, started to say how the topic for this week was really very uninteresting to him and he'd got absolutely nothing from it. Well, on the contrary, I had found it such a blessing. I wish I could remember what the subject was. This is 18 years some ago. I can't now remember what it was, but I know it meant an awful lot to me that week. And so I said, I don't agree. It was fantastic. And I went on to share what it had meant to me. That was our first ever communication and argument across a Sabbath school class. Well, it went on because, like my wife said, I was, sometimes you, you just read something and it, for whatever reason, it just did not sink in. And, <laughs> and there was this young girl across and she got something out of it. And I said, you, could, you couldn't have done. You know, I was, I was out of turn for sure. But the thing was, the, the group leader also didn't get anything out of it that week. So he was kind of egging me on and I was egging him on. And then comes along this young girl who said she did. So I wanted to find out straight away what, what makes her tick. <laughs> uh -huh. And so over the years, you started off with a good argument, which is, is something many couples do. <laughs> and some not till after they've married. But over the years, you have learned some effective tools to make communication between you as husband and wife um, more enjoyable, shall I say? Mm -hmm. What are some of those tools? We have shared um, both from the pulpit at our camp meetings and in churches many times the need to prioritize our time. And when it comes to couple communication, it's another thing that is so easy to get crowded out. For Carolyn and I, you know, if we did not set a time, and that's the point I want to make, if we did not set a time to have some couple communication, we really probably wouldn't have any because she's a busy mom, I'm a busy dad, 
you know, we both work for a ministry, there's always a hundred things that won't get done, never mind the things that need to be done. And so if we didn't carve out the time from somewhere in our day, I'm quite sure our communication would be something like, you know, did you pay the bills or did you pay visa or, you know, oh no, the car's got no gas in it. Didn't you put any gas in it? I think that would be the extent of yes. our communication. But we are learning when we have not arrived, but we are learning that if we can set a time, now that's going to be different for different people. For us, we like to have uh, walkie-talkie time, which is just walking up the road together, chattering away. Um, we live out in the country, so we walk up a gravel road and I talk on the way up because my wife gets out of breath. Gets out of breath. <laughs> and then we're out in the middle of nowhere, so we'll have a kiss at the end, and then we shall turn around and carol and chit-chats on the way down. But that's just part way through the day. Of course, I work from home. Uh, but even if you don't work from home, you know, there's always a phone nearby. If your wife's at work or at home, you can just call up and check in. So how's it going today? What are you up to? And share backwards and forwards. Just have some couple communication that keeps you connected to each other. But the key to this time is it won't happen unless you make it happen. So you actually schedule this time? We actually schedule this time and it's never convenient. You know, I'm a homeschool mother and so I'll be schooling my children and I know they need to get such and such done but we need to have our talk time. And it's like, Lord, you know, I've given all the instruction I can give and now let them continue whilst we have our talk time. But it's, it's never convenient, so you have to make a decision. This is a priority. This is something that we need to do. And at first, when you haven't done it, you don't recognize the need. But when you start having this communication time on a regular basis, suddenly you can't live without it. And that it might be different for different couples. You know, and we've gone through several options on this. Um, for a long time, it was during the middle of the day. We would just take half an hour out and just walk up our gravel road, like I said, uh, more recently, we've been involved in some other projects that haven't made that possible. So pillow talk is what's been a great communication time for us. You know, once we're in bed and our heads are on the pillow, we just start talking, start processing, start communicating. And, um, or as we did on the way here, just in the airport. <laughs> it's an ideal time just to communicate. And we had some really good communication time just on the way here in the airport. So. Sometimes then you're saying that you have to snatch that time wherever you can improvise. and yeah. improvise and other times you are scheduling that time. Now I know that if I tried to schedule pillow talk with my husband I'd be talking to myself. <laughs> well, we can, we can relate because my wife has requested pillow talk for a long time and I have said, sweetie, as soon as my head touches the pillow, yes. it sends a signal to my brain that sends a signal to the rest of my body that says, shut down and I'm normally gone within two minutes of touching the pillow but since we couldn't take that time in the middle of the day which is more normal because we're, we're in a build project at the moment I because we've had that time I find now that I even though I'm tired there's things I want to communicate because we're so used to communicating that and, and, and there was some prayer in there as well because actually the turning point was I like to close my eyes as soon as my head touched the pillow, but we were at one of our family camp meetings, I must share this with you, and the room we were staying in had no windows. So when you shut the lights off, it was pitch black. And this was the turning point in our pillow talk because I could talk to Carolyn with my eyes closed. 
She normally doesn't like that. She likes to have eye I can't contact. Talk to eyelids. I got to see eyeballs. But now <laughs> I had my eyes closed. She couldn't see me because it was pitch black, and we had good communication ever since then. It's really taken. And I didn't a... know his eyes were closed. <laughs> <laughs> so, first option would be to schedule a time. Maybe it's just one evening a week where you go out on a, a date night or whatever. Maybe it's a uh, lunchtime whilst you, you know, have a chance to talk on the cell phone. Maybe it's just every Thursday and Tuesday evening for an hour. Whatever works, but set a time. I wouldn't encourage people to try and snatch the time because usually, um, unless you've had scheduled time for a long time, when you try to snatch time, it gets snatched from you and it never really takes off. Mm -hmm. Okay, so scheduling time is important, but there's also communication skills. You know, we, uh, JD and I used to teach a communications course, and when we started this, it did improve our communication, but men and women do s speak very differently and relate very differently. Yeah. One thing that we learned is that listening is the most important communication skill there is. So let me address this to you, Paul. Because I have found that men have a tendency, evidently, um, because many women tell me this, as I'm counseling with them, that men seem to listen in a sense that they're only halfway there. Mm -hmm. How do you teach people, especially if you're talking to a male, a husband, how do you teach them to really be active listeners? Well, I think most of our viewers or some of our viewers will know the Bible verse, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. That's James 1.19. Swift to hear. I think oftentimes why us men, and I certainly put myself in this category, why we don't tune in entirely is for some reason we think we know what our wife or our spouse is going to say. And so if we know already, it's almost like, yeah, 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 just, just say it, you know. And, th and you pointed out that the, the ladies, um, this is fairly generic from the counseling that we have done, tend to use more words yes. than the men. So my wife might um, speak for five minutes and saying the same thing two or three times. And then <laughs> at the end, I'll say something like, so you don't want to go and kind of sum it all up in half a sentence. And she says, yes, you got it, that's exactly. <laughs> but for me as a man, it's, it's a conscious choice not to tune out. Listen to what she is trying to say. And it takes almost a superhuman effort, it's really the Holy Spirit, to what I say, zip the lip, not to say anything. Let her get out what she's trying to say. Oftentimes when my wife and I communicate on those more delicate, those more difficult things, it's not until she's getting near the end that the penny will drop for me. Um, and this, Carolyn, Explain what you mean, that's an English well, term. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when, when it just starts to dawn on me what she's saying. Uh, I remember one time Carolyn was talking and I, was, I wasn't saying it, but in my mind I was saying, yeah, 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 I, I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying. And then it got to the point where I just started finishing her sentence. And she said, that wasn't what I was going to say at all. And it was a real wake-up call to me. Oh, that's not what you were going to say? Okay, well, I'll be quiet and I'm going to listen more carefully because I was fairly sure I knew where you were going with this and it wasn't at all. And then when I listened, I finally realized, ha, huh, so often we think we know what they're going to say, but we're just not listening. Yes. So listening is a key point, and that takes self-control. 
and it's I find that many of the simple things that we call upon you know the congregations that we speak to to put into practice like husbands listen to your wives oh okay it takes earnest prayer it yes. takes the Lord's power for this man to be quiet not to tune out not to <sighs> come on sweetie you know it takes it takes the Lord's power to say okay sweetie I didn't I'm still not getting it can you just say it one more time with a real desire to understand her and she loves it when I do that well because when I know that he really wants to know then it, your mind kind of opens up but there's also the opposite of that when you feel like that he doesn't really want to hear it it just kind of closes off and, and so, then you use more words yeah mm -hmm. and then you just kind of go blank and then you come with a load of other stuff and, and you know you're not getting it across and they know you're not and so that sensitivity on both sides but particularly from the guy to the girl to be listening not just to what she is saying but what she can't verbalize and what she isn't saying but that deep down they can tell and I know this is frustrating to a lot of men because they're not used to talking about feelings That's and all right. this which women uh -huh. do right. and on the other hand you know I often counsel with women and say sometimes when you're speaking with your husband just give him the bullet points just Absolutely. give him the outline and if yeah. he wants more detail he'll ask now of yeah. course if it's important that he does understand then it takes that superhuman strength of the Lord setting a guard at the doorpost of your lips. Yes. But now, what happens when the two of you have a disagreement? Because so many couples do talk on a superficial level. They don't, um, they're almost fearful of trying to explore one another's feelings. And when they do start to talk on anything beyond the superficial level, they'll find they're disagreeing. Mm -hmm. What do you teach to help couples through their disagreements? Well, let me share an example okay. that happened to us not so long ago. We travel a lot in our ministry. And so Minneapolis, St. Paul has become a place that yes. we know quite well. <laughs> and this one particular day, as I was booking the air tickets, it became very evident to me that we were going to end up five hour layover in Minneapolis. And so I said to my wife, you know, normally it's a couple of hours. It's a couple of hours we just stay at the airport. But here five hours, is, it's, it's a long time to sit at the airport. I said, why don't we go to the Mall of America? You know, you get the shuttle and over there and you're there in just 15 minutes. And for, for those of our viewers who aren't familiar there, there's shops, stores around the outside, and then in the center is a big theme park. And I grew up, now this, this is something very important in couple communication, that a lot of your past tends to, tends to start coming up. So I was brought up um, as a non-Christian, didn't even know the Lord until the age of 21. My wife, on the other hand, was brought up in a very conservative Christian home. So immediately, you can tell there's some big differences. So when we've got our little Hannah and Caleb, and I realize we're going to the Mall of America, I think, wouldn't it be fun to take them on the bumper cars and on some of those rides, just like I did when I was a child? That's what brought me happiness as a child, and we tend to try and relive that for our children. So I said to Carolyn, you know, we're going to have five hours in Minneapolis, why don't we go to the Mall of America and take the children on some of those rides? Well, I'll let Carolyn pick up the story at this point. And I said, why would we want to take the children there? 
And he looked at me really confused, like, well, what's the big problem? And I said, well, where are the principles in it? Well, this, this is the point we want to make. So right at that point, it's very evident we are heading for a disagreement. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with it. I, thought I had lots of enthusiasm as the thought dawned upon me. And as soon as I bring it up to Carolyn, it starts to die. So for men, this is, this is a pivotal point. At this point, I can dig in my heels. I can let uh, my, my desires self, we call it, I can let my thoughts and my feelings come to the surface and say, oh, don't poo-hoo that, you know, it'll be great for them. And we can steamroller the idea through. What's that going to do to my wife? So what we have, what the Lord is teaching us to do is in disagreement to stop right there. Not for me to start bolstering up my side of the equation and for Carolyn to start bolstering up her side of the equation, but to let God have a say in the matter. So it's not how I was brought up that's right, and it's not how she was brought up that is right, because you know, if you've got two Christians that are growing up, that can get you know, pretty sticky. So right at that point, I said to Carolyn, so what, what are the principles involved here? Or actually, I think you said that. What are the principles involved here? And can you remember some of the things you said? Well, you said to me, what principles are there that would stop us doing that? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, in Philippians, about whatsoever things are pure, true, honest, lovely, of good report, is this environment going to be an environment that will conjure that in the hearts of our children? And he's like, huh. He says, well, what else? What else? And I remember I said, one thing you said was that uh, we live in the countryside. We made a deliberate choice to move out from the city and live in a quiet place because we, we read in a book one time, the more quiet and simple the life, the more free from artificial excitement and stimulation, the more conducive it will be to an interest in the scriptures and a, a spiritual that's walk. That's true. And we have found that to be the case. Absolutely. Um, but my wife brought that principle up. <laughs> right then. <laughs> right then, I thought, the more quiet and simple the life, hmm. the more free from artificial excitement. I thought, that place is all artificial excitement, you know, just the, the people screaming on the roller coaster and the different things. Now, not that we're necessarily speaking against those things, but what we're trying to do is to show at a point in communication where we are in disagreement to let the principles that we do agree on bear sway and make the final decision. And so as we, as we talked about that a little more, we thought, well, maybe that isn't really what we want for our family. And for me, I found out partway through that conversation that it wasn't really Hannah and Caleb, our two children, <laughs> that my desires were centered around. It was me wanting to live a bit of the past. Yes. And so, um, it was, it was a little struggle in my heart, but I said, Lord, if we are going to be unified in our marriage, then we have to let you be the one that unites us. So I can't just hold on to my will. And so I was willing to say, okay, sweetie, we'll, we'll, we'll let that one go. That was a dumb idea. And that was the end of it. And it really was the end of it in my heart. No, I was back there a couple of weeks later on my own this time, or actually with my colleague, and there was no pull in there to, to go and do that because I knew it was something that we decided as a family. So let God's word, let principles that you've agreed on be the deciding factor. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, often what happens in marriages, 
is if couples are disagreeing and they cannot have a meeting of the minds, what they will do is the wife will go and she gets on the phone with her best friend and it's wah, 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 and she's talking about her husband and the husband may go to his friends and his buddies and be talking with them about the wife and their problems. Do you see a danger in that? Definitely. Definitely, there is a big danger. You know, around each couple and around each family, the Lord has put a sacred circle mm -hmm. that should not be broken. So I don't need to go to my best friend and tell her all the negatives about my husband. Because by doing that, not only am I breaking confidences that should be between he and I, but it actually builds up in your own mind even bigger the negative that you share about your husband. Especially if you have a friend who's saying, that's awful, Absolutely. and they're agreeing with you. And now you, <laughs> next time you see him, it's even worse than before mm -hmm. you shared it with her. So it's doing no good except pouring the negative. So we've committed to each other that we won't go there, and we will not do that. We will keep it between the two of us. And, and then, instead of her being my best friend who I dump all my negatives about my husband, my husband becomes my very best friend. And we mm. can talk together freely and vulnerably together about our weaknesses and each other's weaknesses. Now you may ask, some people will say, well, but what happens if my marriage is falling apart? Does that mean this sacred circle means I can never go outside of that marriage? No, it doesn't mean that. And if your sacred circle is about to fall apart permanently, and you know that, then you best go outside of that circle and seek counsel to restore that circle. So we're not saying there's never a time when you step outside of there. Well, that, that stepping out of the circle would be for a very specific reason, okay. and that is to get some counsel to hold the sacred to circle together. Yeah. yeah, not just to uh, just dump a load of woes and frustrations on the first person that happens to come by. <laughs> and would it be safe to say that, as far as the sacred circle is concerned, that you should step out of that anytime something that violates the scriptures is happening in your life. Um, for example, if a husband is forcing a wife to do something that is against the Bible, she should seek counsel as to how to deal this. Because, you know, I agree with you. I think mm -hmm. that couples should be very careful about what they're sharing. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I don't want to give the impression that just... You're a prisoner. Yeah, that you're yeah. a prisoner in here because there are times people get trapped in mm -hmm. uh, some type of an abusive relationship mm -hmm. or controlling mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. manipulating relationship. Mm -hmm. So then it would be safe to step outside Definitely. and get the counsel of... But not just for the gossipy, you know, right. I just want to offload my frustrations about him. They need to be dealt with here so that you're sharing them with each other, not with another. But if it turns into that kind of a situation, then yes, it's like, you know, the counseling, you need that yeah. help. I think, it, I think we would all know in a situation why? Why do I feel this need to talk outside of the sacred circle? And if the why is just a, a frustration, I just got to tell somebody, then, then that's the time to take it to the Lord Absolutely. and fall on the rock and be broken. But if it's, if I don't do anything here, it's, it's just getting worse and worse and worse, mm -hmm. then, you know, Give three ABN a call. Yes. There's people waiting to help in those situations. Mm -hmm. Our time is passing so quickly. Let's get to a few other things. What are some communication stoppers among couples? <laughs> well, we've talked about set a time. If you never set a time, then okay. you know, that's the first commu communication stopper because it never got going. But I know for my wife, why don't you talk about 
body language because we've we've <laughs> talked about this quite a bit amongst body ourselves. Body language is a big thing for me. So when I walk into his office and I've got something really pressing on my heart and I just say, sweetie, can I talk to you for a minute? And I get the back of his head and I know he's still doing this. It's a killer for me. And so I'll say, sweetie, can you just turn around? And he'll say, no, it's okay. I'm listening. And it's, that right there for me is the biggest communication stopper. Now, I've got to speak to the guys at this point because I work in an office with other people and we communicate all day back to back. And it took me a long time to realize how come I can talk to my colleagues in the office without eye contact, but as soon as my wife comes in the office, she wants eye contact. And I realized as I prayed about it that what we're talking about in the marriage relationship is often of a deeper nature than it is, you know, did you email such and such and, you know, did we get, you know, that out, it needed to go out today. Yes. That, that's a completely different level of communication to husband-wife communication. So whilst eye contact might not be so important for the man, um, if it is for your wife, then it's, it's important. Amen. I'm learning that. <laughs> well, why don't you, Paul, just look into our camera in the minute that we have left and and share from your heart, kind of summarize what we're talking about today. I'm a guy, I'm a man, so I tend to find myself speaking to the men. And if you have a wife or a girlfriend in your life, you know, what she wants more, even, even more than flowers, even more than a dinner at a favorite restaurant, what she really wants is you and your attention. She wants some, some of your undivided attention. So if you take her out for a meal or if you just sit her on the couch and you say, sweetie, is there anything you want to talk about? You will find that she opens up like a rose. And Carolyn and I have found in our marriage that the more we communicate, the deeper we communicate, the more we are drawn to one another. And there's a depth to marriage that doesn't come from just social relations and going from this place to that place. It's really as we venture off of normal ground in our conversation and we become more intimate that we find a real joy in reaching each other's hearts and drawing closer to the Lord. Thanks so much for sharing it. <laughs>